You're listening to Soundplay, a radio show that features audio work produced by people in the Salem State community. We're your hosts. I'm Tanya Rodrigue, a professor in the English department. I'm Justin Noon, an English student here at SSU. Listen to those words coming from those SSU students all day. Soundplay. <laughs> Soundplay. Yeah, trademark. Trademark. Thank you guys for tuning in to today's episode. We have three featured stories for you guys today. Our first one is from Connor McGinnis. He is a sophomore English major here at SSU. Enjoy. The mythical Rich Vreeland, a.k.a. Disasterpiece, has been creating musical soundscapes, soundtracks, and personal projects for over 15 years with hit games and movies like Fez and It Follows to his credit. With over 50 albums, what does it take to remain at such a high level creatively? What has led him to where he is today? And why continue? The song you just heard was Vignette Panacea. It's one of the many musical pieces featured in Rich's video game soundtracks. Since the early days of his career, he's been very focused on one primary goal, and that is to create music for video games. Yeah, my, I, I, yeah. so I had a pretty narrow focus, which I think helped me. Part of, like when I started, I was doing guitar, and I was really into that, and really wanted to be in a band and all that kind of stuff. And I sort of, at the same time, stumbled into a community of people that, um, were using old video game like hardware or they were either using old video game hardware or they were like they were trying to mimic those sounds to make music and I was really fascinated by that and also kind of found a way to do something similar to that with very little overhead um, like I was using GarageBand at the time and just like some really basic like synthesizers um, and uh, yeah I just found that it made it really easy for me to like get ideas out quickly as a young creative, Rich wasn't hesitant to put himself out there and connect with like-minded people. Playing shows, joining clubs, centered around this kind of music would lead him to making some of the most important connections in his career. And what what sort of motivated the transition was in part that um, recording music in that format, like guitar and sort of like, you know, the band format was like pretty hard for me as like a you know, an 18-year-old who didn't know what the hell they were doing. Yeah, I <laughs> He did whatever he could to get himself out there creatively. I was really motivated, which is important, and, like, I really put myself out there in ways that weren't always comfortable for me. Um, and, you know, I was, like, really active on forums, like, looking for things to do um and and not really expecting to like you know work on like a big project just kind of like looking to work on anything really that seemed cool and so you know i did a couple of like free small games for like competition kind of things 
And so you'll meet like, you'll meet programmers, you'll meet artists, you'll meet designers, you'll meet other musicians, you'll meet sound designers, like just, just lots of different like types of creative people. Making a career for myself had to specifically had to do with games and then like getting into movies and other things came, that all came after. I kind of just lucked into that. Like I didn't really, I didn't really pursue movies, so. See, because he was connected with his passion, he was able to tap into a stream of creativity that never seemed to run dry. There's just, I just had this like raw sort of like love for the process and just an excitement about the possibility of what could come out the other side. Yeah. And like, because everything I was doing was like new and interesting. Um, and also like the idea that I could like share it with people and see what they think of it. That was like, that was very like uh, intoxicating, I guess. See, as his career continues, he begins to confront bigger questions about why he does what he does and what his future will look like. That's been my primary struggle at this point in my career is like, you know, what, why, why am I still doing this? Like, what, is, what are the, finding the motivations and yeah. the reasons for doing it when you've been doing it for so long. Um, it's like you've also it, had, like, you've also put out so many songs too, like, and yeah. for a long time, so it's kind of, it's crazy. Yeah, it's like, what else do I want to do what else do i have to offer or say it's like sometimes it, it's a struggle so his goals have changed and he's thought about resetting pivoting you know trying to shift to the current of that river we talked about earlier trying to alter the direction of his career um like i set out to challenge myself in all these different ways and now i'm like less interested in like seeking out these really hard cha project challenges yeah and a little more interested in like having a good time <laughs> and enjoying what I'm doing. And so I think what I think ultimately what that's going to lead me into is like doing more of my own projects and doing less that's of cool. other people's work because that's primarily what I've done for the last like 10 plus years is work on other people's projects. It's definitely like a journey. Salem State University Radio. They must pay us millions to stop broadcasting. WMWM Salem, 91.7 FM and WMWMonline.com. I didn't want to talk. She just sat with me. That was all I really needed. We got back. One day he called me out of the blue. And it's comforting to know that I always can count on him to have my back. She called me from time to time. I really didn't think I needed any help. It took me from being really depressed to feeling like somebody cared to give me some hope. Just that one text. Be there. Your call, your presence, your words, your support. Be there and help save a life. Learn more about preventing suicide at VeteransCrisisLine.net. Thanks to Connor for sharing his piece with us today. Our next one is from an author who requested to remain anonymous. I'll respect their request, but I hope you guys still enjoy their story. As you walk downtown in Lawrence, Massachusetts, you will see barbershops and restaurants covering every inch of Common and Amesbury Street. The Buckley Transportation Center, also known as the heart of the city, you will see a massive mural covering every inch of this six-story building. 
One of the artists that worked on this mural is named Wilfred Acosta. Wilfred is an inspiring artist who's made a huge impact in his city of Lawrence, Massachusetts. So Elevated Thought is an art and social justice based nonprofit in the city of Lawrence. Um, we do a lot of community outreach, beautification, which is what this project is. Elevated Thought, when we do murals and stuff like that, when we do any beautification projects, we like to get the community involved. Um, and that could be through workshops, that could be through, you know, little events. Um, and we like to ask community, community members questions on like, what, uh, what they'd like to see. In Within their group, this is multiple talented artists that work together as a team to create murals. Wilfred was eager to get his hands dirty. And you know, like me being an artist, and you know, any, I feel like anyone who's an artist who takes their craft seriously wants to see their work huge where everybody can see it, you know what I mean? That's like the, the ultimate. I feel that's what, you know, any artist should strive for, you know? Go big or go home. Most people think that taking a small photo and putting it on a six-story building couldn't have been easy. Thankfully for me and you, Wilfred explained the process. And working, you know, on the project, I feel like one, one challenge, one of the first challenges was, you know, getting used to heights. <laughs> I get scared of heights, you know what I mean? So, you know, we had to get like a crane um, that went definitely above 50 feet, 50, you know, like way, way up there. And, you know, being on that and having it shake under your legs and you trying to spray paint that is it's terrifying. It's, it's terrifying. But then you kind of get used to it. You, you get in the zone and you start, you know, painting and doing your thing. And then, you know, time isn't a thing anymore. And that's kind of where, where the flow comes in, you know. Um, another big challenge. Um, that was my first time ever using spray paint for, you know, a big piece like that. Um, so Alex, he taught me the ins and outs of how to use a spray can. And, you know, I started picking it up really fast. Wilfred found inspiration for this recent mural on the transportation center called Bubble Girl from his friend and director of Elevated Thought, Alex. It's called the fun part. You know, that's the, the skeleton. Um, but, you know, a little fun fact. Bubble, Bubble Girl is actually... Alex Bryan, Elevated Thought Art Director, that is his daughter, blowing bubbles. So he literally took a picture of his daughter years ago. He, you know, pulled it out the woodworks and he was like, yo, I'm gonna freak this shit and I'm gonna turn it into some fire. <laughs> Bubble Girl is a three-year-old girl who is literally blowing bubbles. The bubbles are on a blue background that go around all three sides of the building. On the front wall, it is a three-year-old girl who is holding the bubble wand. She has white butterflies all around her with one orange one in her hair. She has on a black dress with words of positivity written from top to bottom. A few examples of the words is family, hope, love, culture, historic, and they have Lawrence, Massachusetts written on the side of it.
Oh, he took that. He took this image of his daughter. He digitized it. You know, he asked the com the, the community for like the words that they would like to see, and it was words of positivity, like love, community, Lawrence, like what represents Lawrence. You know what I mean? And he pretty much flipped it into fire. And we didn't use stencils, but you know, he uses a projector. He used a projector to do this. So, you know, we brought a generator to the, the location, plugged it up, you know, by, to the back of his truck, and, you know, basically projected that whole thing onto the wall. That's why we had to do it over the night. Not only that, it was less cars, you know, less people around to, you know, less distractions, basically. So... You know, that's the, that's the cool part about it. Alex says the mural is representation of many facets of the city. It, it, all, it all comes full circle with lines. You know, community, immigrants. Um, I know Alex, he, he works a lot with Lawrence. It's not really about his daughter, but his daughter is a part of the process. You know what I mean? Like he, she, she's a collaborator. That's why I look at it, you know what I mean? So it's, it's about all of that. Wilfred is committed to his work. He's committed to his city, to social justice, to community. He'll continue to do this work as long as the opportunity exists. This is what I love doing. You know, it's something I can do. And not even just the fact that I'm good at it, is a motivation, but just the fact that it's a challenge against myself, you know what I mean? It's something that I can, it's like balancing on a tightrope or, you know, it's like Michael Jordan playing basketball or it's like Kobe with his footwork, you know, it's something you gotta constantly work at to get better at. And it's not something that, you know, will always be perfect, but it's fun to strive for perfection in terms of art, you know what I mean? Um, so would I do it again? Hell the f yeah. Hey, this is Dan Finnerty from the Dan Band. You're listening to WMWM 91.7, fucking Salem. Coffee Time has been a family-owned and operated bakery since 1978. They offer scratch-made pies and scones, and now through Thanksgiving, apple cider donuts and pumpkin cheesecake. Grab a fresh cup of coffee or real hot chocolate milk to go with your favorite treat. Coffee Time, setting the standard for homemade baked goods right here in Salem. Coffee Time, 96 Bridge Street, Route 1A in Salem. That last piece that you guys just heard is one of my favorite pieces that has ever been shown on the show. I think it does an amazing job at showing how art can be so culturally impactful, as well as how it can be such a representation of an entire community. Our next piece is from Sarah Pangborn. She is a communication student in her last year here at SSU. Amidst the COVID-19 outbreak, she decided to have a conversation with the, with the musician about how this current pandemic has had its effects on the music industry. I hope you guys enjoy. Enjoy. I definitely learned a lot, and I hope you guys do too.
Nick Feinstone has been playing instruments since he was 11 years old. He has been playing live shows for as long as he can remember, but all of that came to a screeching halt when an invisible war put a stop to life as we know it. Nick is constantly in his home studio, which is on the first floor of his Salem, Massachusetts home. It's here that he creates and plays the music that may or may not ever see the light of day. His music career started with a guitar that was purchased for his dad on a Father's Day one year and has progressed from there. Grew up with like music my parents showed me, like a lot of like the classic rock stuff. I started taking guitar lessons when I was 11 with like my dad's first act guitar that we got from him at Marshall's for a Father's Day once. It wasn't long before he fell in love with the instrument and started playing in bands in and around Salem. I was still taking lessons at the time when me and my friend Ross, the drummer of Shiver, started our first band. Just kept on playing, kept on learning, trying to learn guitar better than just playing power chords and stuff. Nick does a lot more than just play power chords these days. He's toured the country three times, once with Shiver and twice with his other band, Valley Heart. Shiver had an album due to come out in early 2020, but all of that has been put on hold due to COVID-19. COVID-19 is a virus that has been quickly spreading around the world, causing numerous deaths and even more infections. It has forced life as we know it to come to a halt, forcing businesses, restaurants, and even parks to shut down. However, one of the industries that has been hit the hardest has been the music industry, with a complete and utter collapse of festivals, tours, and even album releases. We haven't really been able to do anything in a few weeks. We want to go back to the to the studio because we literally have like one day left just to make some final finishing touches. So it's definitely putting a halt on our album. I had been at least wanting to drop a few singles like earlier this year, but that was kind of before the whole outbreak started. go back into the studio in the last few weeks has been just putting a halt on it when it's in such final stages which is pretty disappointing with so many aspects of the music industry collapsing even their summer tour plans have been canceled we're working on touring in the summer which obviously probably isn't going to happen at this point while the tour was more about gaining word of mouth for the upcoming album rather than financial gain it's still disappointing to nick and his band as a whole where we are at this stage as a band, financial stability is pretty tough. We don't own a van. We would have to be paying to rent a van, gas, food, hotels, anything like that. It ends up adding up a lot. And the extent of the damage to the music industry doesn't just reach locally. It reaches globally. But musicians and artists are getting creative. Pretty much every single major festival is now canceled or postponed. I watch a lot of my favorite artists do their live streams and stuff. Some of them are doing them daily or multiple times a week, which is really cool. So you can still interact with your fan base and your, you know, your friends. Popular festivals such as Coachella and Bonnaroo already stream some of their sets at the festivals. But Nick seems to think that some of these ideas may stay long after we have defeated COVID-19. The whole live stream thing is really cool. I feel like that will become more popular now. I feel like a lot of live streams and such will still be a... A popular thing or at least more popular than it was. However, the repercussions from the virus aren't all bad. It's giving at least myself more time to be creative and keep making new music or working on new things. 
There's been a lot of donations I've seen to artists that need it more and have had tours canceled. I think it was last week, last Friday, Bandcamp, pretty popular platform for streaming music and uh, merchandise. They waived all of their fees that they would normally take out from artists. That was really cool. Nick has these words for new and old musicians alike and even everyday people. Keep being creative. You have a lot of time right now. If you have the tools that um, you require, fans will go on tour again, festivals will get rescheduled, and that will go back to normal. The future will hold something brighter, hopefully, and everyone will be able to get back to their normal grind. For WMWM 91.7 and the Soundplay podcast in Salem, Massachusetts, I'm Sarah Pangborn. so much for tuning into our first episode this season of our featured stories i hope you guys enjoyed listening to all three of these stories i personally thought was a fan of all three of them and i hope you guys join us for the next one thank you